0: Well, it's great to be with you here this morning. I know for many families, it is spring break week this week and next, I think. So uh, it's it's good that it almost feels like spring for spring break. So that's always a good thing. Uh, my name is Ryan. It's my privilege, pl- uh, pleasure to serve as one of the pastors here at Seacoast. I want to invite you to open your Bibles to the book of John chapter 3. That's where we are going to be today. Uh, we are in a series going through the book of John If you are a guest with us, uh, we're so grateful to have you here with us today, and I'd love to meet you after the service and, and get to know you a little bit more. um, And and I do want to make a a statement as we uh, get started. Those of you who did participate in our Easter event yesterday for the kids, I just thank you so much for serving. There's so many volunteers out, tons of kids, new families. So thank you uh, for coming out and serving yesterday. We really appreciate you. Uh, I'm looking to see those who kind of headed up and led the event. I think they're sleeping in today. But um, but it was great, so uh, again, that was kind of a, a fun way to see everyone using their gifts in unique ways, um, and kids having a great time yesterday, so that was good. Uh, pray with me as we get started. God, we thank you so much for this morning. I thank you uh, for your word. We ask now as we look into it that you transform and change us, continue to shape us into your likeness, Lord, that we may uh, live uh, out the life that you've made, created us to live. And God, some of us will be reading these verses for the first time. Some, maybe they're very familiar. But whatever they are, God, would you allow them to, for us to see them in new ways and, and to expose the places of our lives that you want us to deal with. And so we thank you. We give you this time in your name. Amen. So we are in the book of John. We're in chapter 3. We're going to pick it up in verse 22 today. And today what we're going to look at is a character that has popped up a couple times already in this one, named John the Baptist. And so to, today we're going to be looking a little bit at his life. And, and this is a unique story. It's going to start off, we're going to read a few verses, and we're going to see kind of the dilemma that's presented of, of some something that John has to wrestle with is what he is called to do by God, kind of his purpose in life, and how... His own disciples, so John the Baptist had his own disciples, which essentially just means students, and how they kind of are seeing what's happening and and questioning, what do we do with this? Is God using us the way we should be used, and and what is our real purpose and how to live that out? So we're going to see the dilemma presented in the first few verses, and then we'll watch John's response, and I believe from there we're going to learn something about our own lives and our purpose in the kingdom of God today. So that's where we're going, so uh, uh, join with me as we jump in into John chapter 3 starting in verse 22. We'll read a few verses for you and here it starts off and says this, after these things, after the conversation with Nicodemus that we looked at a couple weeks ago, after uh, an understanding as we taught yet last week about judgment and grace, after these things, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea and there he was spending time with them and baptizing Now, John the Baptist also was baptizing in Aeon near Salim because there was abundance of water there, and people were coming and being baptized. For John had not yet been thrown into prison, which, by the way, uh, this account, the way the author of the gospel of John writes it. He says John the Baptist has not yet been thrown into prison. There is some, when we read the other accounts of the gospels, there is perhaps some difference of the order of events. Uh, This John doesn't always worry so much about technical getting all the order of events right. He's talking more of the themes and, and what do we learn from it. Or maybe it's just they're talking about uh, just a different order altogether, but I just want to make that note in case you ever read it, and because some of the other ones have John thrown into prison very early in Jesus's ministry. So there's a little difference there, uh, but it doesn't change what we're going to read. Verse 25, then a matter of dispute developed on the part of John the Baptist's disciples, with a Jew about purification. So somebody came to John the Baptist and his disciples, and they were questioning and they're arguing about purification. And we'll look at that in just a moment. And they came to John, his disciples came to John the Baptist and said, Rabbi, he who is with you beyond the Jordan to whom you've testified, speaking about Jesus now, behold, he is baptizing and all the people are coming to him. So so here's the scene. Here's here's what's going on. John the Baptist is still outside of Jerusalem near the Jordan River, uh, and he's baptizing people. Now, baptism has this root in a couple things. One, there's this Jewish purification, right? Um, Often Jews would enter what was called a mikvah, which was this tank of water that you'd walk all the way down into, you'd cover your whole body and walk out on the other side. If you go to to Israel today, you can find some mikvahs, ancient mikvahs that are still there. And that was uh, purification. That was for Jews who wanted to have this ceremonial saying, I'm cleansing myself and making myself holy before God. So it was a ceremony that they would do. John was doing something different called baptism. Now, baptism was used usually for converting someone from being a Gentile to becoming a Jew. So that would be a a baptism of repentance, saying you want to become a Jew, you're also doing this purification, but it's it's about conversion. But what we see with John the Baptist is he's baptizing Jews and Gentiles. He's, ba- he's saying we all need to repent and come to the original calling of what God has in our lives. So that's why a dispute between one of the Jews and, John, and the baptist they were saying, hey, why are, we, why are you making Jews get baptized? Why are we doing this? This seems like you're asking us to convert. And he's saying, yes, I need you to repent and to return your hearts to God. Now, where does all of this, where's the root of all of these? Starts in early on in the story of Israel. The story of Israel, when they were in slavery in Egypt, they went past through the waters of the Red Sea as they left their bondage. And then they wandered in the, in the wilderness for 40 years. And eventually they entered into the promised land, or what we know of as Israel today. Now God said, I'm going to give you this land, I want you to enter into it. And they passed from the desert through the Jordan River, and they walked through the water into the land of Israel. Now, when they went to the land of Israel, God had called them and gave them a few instructions. The instructions were this. To be my people, you need to love and serve God. You need to love one another well. So all of the commands have to do with serving God and loving each other, treating each other well. And the third thing was to bring justice to the poor, to the oppressed, to the orphans, to the widows, to those who couldn't care for themselves. And it was to be people of justice, now, Israel had, so, so that was that passing through the water. So John, as he's baptizing them in the Jordan, is saying, we need to repent and return because the kingdom of God is coming. It's at hand. And this is all of the prophets of the Old Testament are saying, we need to turn our hearts back to our original call of what God has given us as a nation. So now as John the Baptist starts baptizing people, it was a symbol of going back into the water. And saying, we are returning our hearts to be the people that God has called us to be. And we're, and we're, making our, we're proclaiming, we're followers of Jesus. Now, This is where we get our tradition of baptism now as even Christians, It's a symbol of what God has already done. It's an outward display of saying, my heart is God's. And as a part of giving our lives to Christ... We're saying that we want to love and serve God. We're going to love one another well, and we want to be about the things God's about, justice and and caring for those who need care. That's what we're called to be. That's a disciple of Jesus. So baptism is this outward symbol of it, which by the week, next week is Easter Sunday, and we are doing baptisms Uh, next week. We have a few people signed up. If you have never been baptized, I want you to right now, you can click your little QR code, which, Judith, it means quick response code. And I just learned that when you said you didn't know what it meant. And I said, I don't know either. So that's what it means. So you can uh, scan that little code in front of you. It'll take you to a connect card. Say, I want to be baptized. And next week, we'd love to perform that baptism with you. And that is an outward display of what God's doing. So this is the dispute that some Jews came to John the Baptist's disciples and said, we don't know why you're doing this. He explained it. And then they must have said, and hey, by the way, That guy, Jesus, that Jesus that your own rabbi, John the Baptist, said is the Christ, he and his disciples are baptizing way more people than you. So John the Baptist's disciples go to their rabbi and say, Hey, you know know what we heard? Jesus and his disciples have way more people showing up at their service than ours. What's up with that? We're the ones who started this whole thing. I mean, your last name is the Baptist. That's His last name is Christ. How is he doing baptisms? All of a sudden, they took our idea and made it better. And that was the dilemma. John, the Baptist, your purpose is to come and turn hearts of people to Jesus or back to the Lord. And and, and you've been doing the baptisms as a sign of repentance. That's your calling. Are you sure this is still your purpose? Because it seems like Jesus and his disciples are doing it better. And as we get to this now, we're going to see this response. Because I believe in here, there's some lessons that we can learn of how John the Baptist responds. Lessons that we can learn about our own lives and what does it mean to have a purpose in the kingdom of God? And how, what can we learn from him about fulfilling that purpose? What can we learn from John the Baptist about how that plays out? And so let's look at these continued verses and find what can we learn here. So there's going to be four things that we're going to see here of how to fulfill your purpose. There's four things that we need to remember that John the Baptist is going to tell us now in the next few verses, okay? So there's, that's where we're going for the rest of the day. And the backdrop is now Jesus and his disciples seem to be doing it better than John and his disciples. So how in the midst of that can he still fulfill his purpose, and what do we learn? So let's look at this. Verse 27, jump back in. John the Baptist replies, he says, A person can receive not even one thing unless it's been given to him from heaven. You yourselves are my witnesses that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent ahead of him. He who has the bride is the groom, but the friend of the groom who stands and listens to him rejoices greatly because of the groom's voice. So this joy of mine has been made full. He must increase, but I must decrease. Now in there, there was actually four statements that were made in those verses, and let's, we'll unpack them one by one to understand how do we fulfill our own purpose. The first thing that John the Baptist says that we need to remember is this, that God gives you what you need when you need it. God will give you what you need when you need it to fulfill your purpose. Look at what he said in verse 27. A person can receive not even one thing unless it's been given to him from heaven. In other words, your ministry opportunities and your success is from the Lord. So be faithful with what you have when you have it. See, it's very easy when we think about living in the kingdom of God and and for Jesus to think, well, I'm insignificant. Maybe what, I'm, what God has called me to do is, is too much. It's not that significant compared to others. And, 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 and maybe you think, well, because I don't have the same training or learning. Or you, you maybe hang out with other people in the church, the, someone leading your life group. And you think, I could never be used the way they are because they have such great wisdom and knowledge of the Bible. Some of you are such great counselors and you're so good interacting with others that maybe you see someone like that and you say, I could never encourage someone the way they've encouraged so we can downplay our own purpose and the fact that God how can God use me or maybe we think well I just haven't been able to accomplish that much Uh, let me just tell you this I I laugh at the story about John the Baptist's disciples because they say can't you believe there's more people going to Jesus and his morning worship services than ours they, their music is better. They have this cool fog machine, and people are attracted to that and all kinds. Of, what's going on? They, they didn't, by the way, if you're trying to find it. in the But there's this temptation, even working in a church, to look around and say, why, are people go, why would someone leave this church and go to another one? And, and we have this temptation to think, maybe God doesn't want to use me, or maybe I'm not significant enough. Maybe we need to do something different to try to be like another church. It was funny, even this weekend, uh, we we did an event yesterday called the Easter Extravaganza. It was awesome. And my wife and I were cracking up because we woke up in the morning, or actually the day before, and we looked at another church's Instagram, and they were doing an Easter Extravaganza on the same day, at the same time. And you know what our first response was? Who did it first? (laughs) Who's copying who? And how dare they... someone who I'm married to, I'm not going to say who, but said, can't churches trademark their idea and say this was ours first? (laughs) And trying to be the bigger person, I'm saying, you know what, it's we can all win in the kingdom of God. We want everyone to succeed. We want everyone to reach disciples for Christ. I just hope more people do it at our church than theirs, that's all. (laughs) Oh, it's an age-old battle that we have of saying, maybe God is using them more than me, so maybe I'm not that significant. But what John the Baptist says is, you know what? God gives to us what we need when we need it. And what he's invited you into, he's placed people in your life for a reason at a time just for you. The experiences, the giftings, the things that you've gone through in your life is for you to be used in the life of another person. You'll have what you need when you need it. So we want to just trust that, God, I will be faithful where you've placed me as long as you've placed me there. And that's all I can control. The rest is in the hands of the Lord. So that's the first thing he tells us. The second thing we see is this. The second thing to remember is this. Know who you are and who you are not. Notice what John the Baptist says. He, he says this in verse 28. You yourselves are my witnesses that I said... I am not the Christ, but I have been sent ahead of him. He knew who he was and who he was not. He knew his role. It was a fulfillment of some Old Testament prophecies, one in Isaiah 40 that says this, that it would be the voice of one calling out, saying, clear the way of the Lord in the wilderness. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. And John the Baptist literally said, okay, I gotta go to the desert and make this happen but he knew, he understood who he was and who he was not. So he didn't feel the need to somehow say, well, somehow I'll try to, I have to now mimic what Christ is doing because more people are going to him. He said, no, I understand what God has invited me and created me to do, who I am. I am the one leading the way, preparing the way. That's my calling. You know, for me, as I process and think, thought through this this last a week, the one thing that I realized is this, is I am not a famous preacher, and I never will be. It's not what God, who God has made me to be. I'm kind of your prototypical like jack-of-all-trades. I can do a lot of things pretty well, but nothing awesome, so I'm never going to be the best preacher. In fact, one of the things I hated about COVID was because all of a sudden we were at home watching church services for like four or five months, Right? And I know it happened because so many of you told me, like, "Oh, I just I watch you, then I watch Andy Stanley." I'm like, "Oh, hold on, come on. Can you uh, let me give you some other preachers to watch so that I look better?" But why are you watching like these these top the the best in the whole country? You're watching them every week. That's not fair. In fact, I I got a little frustrated. I'll, I'll be honest. I got frustrated with some of the big churches who were saying nationally, like, join us for church Sunday morning. Like, to everyone across the country, I'm like, that's not church. Let's join us for a, a, you know, a podcast. But it, it did a lot to church, to smaller churches, where all of a sudden it's like, man, I can get the best of the best every morning. And some people have never left their houses on Sunday morning. Now, they're still there because they get to engage in church gatherings with the best preaching around the world. I don't think that's the point. But you, if you work in a church, you wrestle with that. But I'm never going to be the best preacher. I've learned that about me. I want to do my best. I want to prepare. I want to be faithful to what God has called me to be. What I really want, I know my wife and I, we want to be embedded in a community where we get to uh, see your babies born and dedicate your babies and perform marriages of your families and, and sometimes celebrate your life as we uh, oversee funerals and see some of you go off to heaven. Like That's what we're called to be, not to be a famous megachurch. That's not the calling. We have to understand who we are and who we are not. And when I understand that, then I rest a little easier. And then when I think, man, I don't want to deal with those preachers, deal with when you have 100,000 comment cards every Monday morning. (laughs) But the comparison game is real. It can be defeating. When we forget who we are and we start thinking we should be someone else, that can be hard, even within the church. I love, some, some of you are so secure, you understand your lane in the church. Some of you are like, I just love to be in the nursery holding babies. I do that well. You know what? Seacoast needs you. We have a lot of young families here at the church who need you to do that well, and I'm so grateful you do that, and it's not less significant than someone who can teach a class. It's not person who loves hanging out and being with our 5th and 6th graders and, and t- introducing them to Christ that is not less significant than those who teach our 7th and 8th graders because, and if you're called to love and teach our 7th and 8th graders you're a unique person and you are gifted by God <laughs> when you know who you are and who you are not we have freedom to just understand our purpose say God I want to be faithful with who you've made me to be and it is good. It's okay. Third thing that we learn here and how to fulfill your purpose is this. The body is made up of many parts. John said that clearly in verse 39. Look at it. The role of the friend of the groom, or I'm sorry, in verse 29, he says this. Uh, he who has the bride is the groom, but the friend of the groom who stands and listens to him rejoices greatly because of the groom's voice. So this joy of mine has been made full. Isn't that clear? All right. (laughs) This is a very Jewish statement. What he's saying here. Couple things. One, throughout Scripture, Israel in the Old Testament in the Hebrew Scriptures is often described as as there's going to be this wedding feast, and God is united with His bride, who's His people. In the New Testament, we call it the Bride of Christ. Is the Church? It's His followers. So there's this beautiful picture of God and his people, or Christ and the people he's called to be with. And John the Baptist is using this imagery from a Jewish wedding. He says, okay, so uh, if you are the groom, he who has the bride is a groom. So he's saying, well, that's Christ. He's the groom. And, but the friend of the groom who stands in the door and listens to him, rejoices greatly because of the groom's voice. Now this is part of their tradition in the first century, that the best man of the wedding, so this is the groom's friend, best friend or whatever, his job was to make sure the ceremonial, the ceremony went well and the marriage was made complete and it ended in this consummation of the marriage. His job was, when he was to, the groom would go into this dark chamber where he'd meet his bride, and when the groom would call out and say, I'm ready for her, the groom's uh, the best man would hear the voice, recognize the voice, and say, that's the right guy, and the bride would go in, and they would be married. So it's really important that he knew the voice. <laughs> that's not a mistake you want to make, <laughs> which there is a story in the Hebrew Scriptures where Jacob wakes up in the morning and says whoops the wrong girl (laughs) I don't know how exactly that happened but it makes it really important that your best man understands your voice so what John the Baptist was comparing him and saying I am that guy I get the privilege of uniting Christ and his people I get the privilege of this is my lane and we all have different parts to play in the body of Christ, we are all made differently. This is a very New Testament idea. Of Paul writes and says, "The body of Christ, the church, as followers, is one body made with many parts." And when we understand our, our our role, we can rejoice and find our purpose in that. It's all significant. I love how uh, Paul was talking about this in uh, First Corinthians, and when he's talking, there was this debate. Some people were saying, "Well, we love." listening to Paul preach? Who wouldn't? He's the Apostle Paul. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, right? But some people said, "Uh, actually, this guy named Apollos, he's a way better preacher than Paul. I'd rather listen to him. Can you believe that was a debate in the first century? And then some said, yeah, those guys are okay, but for me, it's Peter. He was like Jesus' is right-hand man. That guy was a great preacher. I would rather listen to Peter. And they're debating who their favorite preacher is. It started the tradition that we continue to this day. And Paul responds this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5. I have it on the screen for you. He says, what then is Apollos? And what is Paul? We're servants through whom you believed even as the lord gave opportunity to each one i planted the seeds apollos watered but god was the one causing the growth so then whether i'm the one who plants or the one who waters, or so then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but it's god who causes the growth now the one who plants and the one who waters were one but each will receive his own reward according to his own labor really what paul's saying is this hey We all have a part to play in the kingdom of God, and your part is significant. Here at Seacoast, we actually support and send missionaries around the world. Their part is significant. You know another significant part of that? Those of you who work hard and who contribute some of your finances to help support the ministry of Seacoast and our missionaries across the world. We have different roles. They get to see the work being played out firsthand, but we get to support them through prayers and through giving and through sending, through loving and caring for them. We have different parts to play, but we are all servants. One body, many parts. John the Baptist was saying, hey, we're all part of this kingdom of God. We want to remember our purpose is just remember that you matter where you are and what you do, what God is gifting you to do last thing is this the fourth thing how to fulfill your purpose things to remember it's all about jesus look how how john ends this little section verse 30 he or jesus must increase but i must decrease in other words he looked at his disciples and said it has to be all about jesus There was a Sunday school teacher who was uh, talking to uh, the Sunday school class. And and to start off, they started, they were playing a game. The game was, hey, I'm going to describe something. You have to guess what I'm describing. And so the teacher starts describing this animal and says, hey, there's, okay, it's gray, and it runs around the forest. And the kids are looking, and they, they, okay, has a big bushy tail, likes to collect acorns. Climbs trees, and the kids are sitting there, and they, they, they don't want to answer until finally one little boy says, Okay, teacher, I... it sounds a lot like a squirrel, but I... this is Sunday school, so I know the answer is Jesus. <laughs> See, it sounds so Sunday school answered to say it's all about Jesus. But the truth is, when we think of our purpose in life, it is all about Jesus. It needs to be centered on him and who he is and what he's done. The ministry of Seacoast, the ministry in your own life as you get to know your neighbors and friends and co-workers. We want to point people to Christ. We want him to increase and ourselves to decrease. At the end of our day I want people, if they think of Seacoast, think of this church. What I want people to think of is, and that's a lot of people who loved Jesus well. And it seemed, I don't remember all their names, but I know they loved Jesus and they lifted him up that's what we want to be about. And there's a preacher, and sometimes he thought he was funny, and it really wasn't, but that, I don't remember that, but I know he kept pointing us to Jesus. That's what it has to be about, and John reminded them and said, it's all about him. I must decrease, and he must increase. When we think of God using us for his purposes, it's all about helping people meet and encounter the living Christ who wants to forgive them and give them the life that they're created to live. But sometimes we can get discouraged. You know what's interesting about John the Baptist? Is later on in his life, he was thrown into prison in Galilee. He had confronted um, the, the governor, basically, of that area, and said, hey, you shouldn't be cheating on your wife, you you know, this kind of thing. And they said, okay, uh, you're going to jail. So he imprisoned him and later had him killed. But while John the Baptist was in jail, he's in prison, he had already proclaimed who Christ is. He already pointed people to him. He's been baptizing and, and just hundreds, probably maybe even thousands of people have turned their hearts back to God. So this is, John the Baptist is this example of someone who's living out their purpose that they've been created for. But here he is in, in Matthew chapter 11. He's in prison and he says this. I have it on the screen for you. Now while in prison, John the Baptist heard about the works of Christ and he sent word through his disciples and asked them, are you the coming one? Or in other words, are you the Messiah or should we look for someone else? Isn't that interesting? He's the one who's, uh, he starts off strong, he's proclaiming Christ, he's so confident, and yet when he, he has this moment while he's in prison where he just thinks, I just, before I die, I just need to know, was I on the right track? And, and the reason I share this with you, because I want to encourage you, because there, there are times when we can get discouraged in our walk with Christ. There are times when we look around and think, is this really worth it? There are times when maybe we think, we look at the world and say, you know what, it seems like everyone else is doing okay without, without Jesus, it's this, should I really be walking this way? I know our young people, they struggle, they go off to, they get into later in high school, they go off to college, and they've been told time and time again that, oh yeah, religion is just this, this kind of brainwashing thing that you do, and it's a crutch, and it doesn't do anything for you, but here's real truth, and it's so our young people wrestle with that. Our own kids wrestle with that. And you can get discouraged in your walk with Christ. Even John the Baptist is saying, I just want to know, Jesus, was I on the right track? Being a part of church leadership, there are times when we say, are we on the right track? Are we about the right things? And Jesus' response to John the Baptist was, well, just tell him this. Tell him that the blind can see and the deaf can hear and the dead will be raised again which was a fulfillment about what Jesus came to do. In Isaiah 42, it says, the Spirit, speaking of the Messiah, it said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon him to proclaim good news to the poor and to proclaim freedom, to set the captives free, to claim the year of the Lord's favor, to heal the brokenhearted. Jesus is responding and say, oh, if John, John the Baptist wants to know, is he on the right track? He says, just tell him. Everything that he thought the Messiah would do, I'm doing. In other words, you were right. You're good. Be encouraged. By verse 11 of Matthew 11, look what Jesus says about John the Baptist. He says, truly I say to you, among those born of women, there's not arisen anyone greater than John the Baptist." That's a pretty nice statement by Christ, isn't it? Hey, out of everyone who's been born, no one's been greater than you. That's, that's affirmation. And then look, look what he says. Yet one who is the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. In other words, but encouragement for all who hear this, even the one who feels the least in the kingdom. who who feels like you've done the least amount in the kingdom of heaven, you're serving God, you're welcomed in, you are greater than what he's accomplished here on earth. In other words, we all are going to be lifted up and we're in the same place, rejoicing with our king in heaven for eternity. So when I talk about purpose, sometimes we might think, how do we level up? How do we get better at what God's calling us to do? I I just want to encourage you Be faithful where you are with who you are and the people in your life. Be faithful. And trust God and the results to him. Trust God to move in and around and through you. And let the Spirit of God do the work that you don't have to do. It's so freeing to say, Lord, this is on you, not me. This is uh, one of my mentors said years ago. Uh, He was talking about, and I've shared this with our staff team time and time again, but it's this, when we think about ministry, we want to prepare. Do your best preparing. So prepare as if you didn't pray. In other words, prepare as if the results of what you're about to do are all on you. Do the work. So prepare like you didn't pray, but pray like you didn't prepare. In other words, you want to Do the work to prepare, but then you want to pray and say, God, at the end of the day, all I can give you is my best. And the rest is up to you. So here's a prayer that I often say. Lord, I've done my best. I've prepared. I now put it in your hands. Whatever happens from this point forward is your fault. (laughs) I don't know if that's accurate. I don't know if that's the right prayer. (laughs) But it's my way of saying, Lord, I, I want to just do what you need to do with what I give you. And often God will say, you know what? I don't need you to be great because I'm great. I'm powerful. And I give my spirit and now my spirit can outwork the best preparation you could ever do. Look how the section ends here and the, the band is going to start making their way up as I read these last few verses. And these last few verses, some people think that the author, John, summarized this. Some people think maybe it's John the Baptist still talking. But whichever it is, it's this. as a summary of this passage. It says, He who comes from above is above all. The one who is only from the earth is of the earth and speaks of the earth. But he who comes from heaven, he's above all. So what he has seen and heard, of this he testifies, and no one accepts his testimony the one who he has accepted, his testimony has certified that God is true. For he whom God sent speaks the words of God, for God does not give his spirit sparingly. is that good news? The father loves the son and has entrusted all things to his hand. The one who believes in the son has eternal life, but the one who does not obey the son will not see life, but the wrath of God remains on So he ends chapter 3 and just reminds us of how much Jesus is high and lifted up. So here's what we're going to do. Today is a day called Palm Sunday. Some of you have already noticed. We're going to have some help here in a minute. Palm Sunday is a day when Jesus entered into Jerusalem. And in John chapter 12, how John describes it, this. He says, The next day a great crowd that had came for the festival, this is about Passover, Heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, "'Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Blessed is the King of Israel!' So this same Jesus that John the Baptist was speaking about, the same one who said is from above, he's from heaven, he's the one through all of us will give our lives and our worship and we'll all bow before. We need to repent and become children of his and walk in the kingdom of God. That's the one we've been waiting for, that here we are a few years later, Jesus enters into Jerusalem and everyone starts celebrating and saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The king of Israel, the proclaiming that Jesus was the one who John the Baptist said he was, and they waved these palm branches, which was likely a sign of being a victor. They would use that as maybe emperors coming in. Palm branches were used in uh, Olympic games. It was for the one to say, you are the champion, and they waved them, and they proclaimed Hosanna, which meant God save us, and they celebrated as Jesus walked in. Today, traditionally, is that day called Palm Sunday, where all of this, this Jesus that we've been speaking about and hearing about was lifted up and proclaimed, and the crowd celebrated. So here's what we're going to do. We're gonna, I'm gonna invite you to stand, and if you'd stand now. We are gonna remind ourselves of this truth about our God, that he is the one who saves. And I want you to imagine the picture in Jerusalem Of the crowds just coming out and saying, is this the one we've been waiting for? And they proclaim and they celebrate. And we invited our kids who are not away on spring break. They're with us today, the ones who are here. Who are going to come in and they're going to sing with us. And they're going to make a little bit of noise with us. And it is good to hear the celebration about Jesus. Amen. So... Our kids are gonna help us raise the level. For, for those of you who sometimes worship kind of, your level of excitement is, let's just say it's a little bit down here. Think of how you felt yesterday when San Diego State made the winning shot. You know what I'm saying? Unless you went to Florida Atlantic, but who goes there? So anyway. So if that's your level, that, we're talking about the king who came for you and for me. We're talking about the king who endured the cross for you and for me and for those who still are rejecting him. We're talking about the one who has given you life and purpose and said, I'm inviting you to be a part of this story. King Jesus is who we're talking about. So we're going to sing some songs here of celebrating King Jesus just the way John the Baptist did, the one from above, the one we celebrate, and we're going to have our kids come help us with that. So would you celebrate and let's proclaim who Jesus is.